Yo, what's up, what's up? It's the Hungry Millennial back again with yet another proactive pragmatism. On today's proactive pragmatism, we carry on with our series, Millennials Are. This millennial that I'm bringing to the table is a friend. I've, we've been friends for probably almost a decade now. She goes by the name of Shan Dana Hayes. Dana, welcome to the show. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm like right now I'm trying to wrap my 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 brain around your new name. You know, it's like I've always called you Dana my entire life. So I'm like, what how how did that come about? Like, why didn't you use it when we were in college? That's a little that's a little interesting. I, mean, I know well, I mean it's one of those things like when you grow up, everyone was always like, um, excuse me, Miss Hayes. And I'm like, it's Shandana. And they're like, Shane, Sean, Shandana. So, I mean, it was just easier for everyone to call me Dana. Um, there's like a backstory to it. Like my mom, I was born next to a little town called Shenandoah. And instead of naming me Shenandoah, my godmom's name is Dana. And my mom named me Shandana. So Dana's my godmom's name, and she's a pretty awesome woman. So I was like, you can just call me Dana for short. And then as I've gotten older um, in my career, people refer to me as Shan because it's easier for them than still Shan Dana. So it's just, you know, I kind of answered like, my mom. Like, like, it's like pick one, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's funny. So like you come a really long way since we first met. Um, now you're a general manager. Um, yeah. and so how did you, how did, how did that come about? What made you choose all about eyes? So I was working at KFC and A&W. Um, I was an assistant manager without the title and the pay, but so I was going to move, decided against relocating, stayed, um, and my aunt contacted me and was like, hey, we're, I'm looking for an optician at All About Eyes. And that same day that I had an interview at All About Eyes, I had an interview at Starbucks. Um, I don't know if you remember, but that's when I had like fire engine red hair and my yeah, hair was like bright yeah. red. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so I went into Starbucks and the lady's like, I would love to hire you, but I don't want to make you get rid of your hair. I was like, okay, I can dye my hair. Clearly, it's red. Um, then I went to an interview right after that at All About Eyes. And okay. I met with the district there and my aunt. And during the interview, um, she was like, what is one thing that you know in management makes you a strong leader that complements your team? Okay. My response was, um, I like to give people compliment sandwiches based on performance. And Ooh, she okay. instantly was like, a compliment sandwich. And I was like, well, you know, some people kind of feel attacked when you're giving them guidance. So I like to hit them with something they're really good at, tell them this is what I want them to improve on, and then hit them with something okay. else really good. Make them feel okay. good about themselves. And they're going to be like, okay. heck yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
Wow. And she was like, I love this girl. Okay. And they still gave me the ultimatum to get rid of the fire red hair. And I was like, all right, I can do that and start in two weeks. And now okay. almost five years later, I'm here. And then, and then how did you said something really good there? You, you showed that empathy of getting to know the person and actually meeting and talking to the employee. How, how pivotal is that in the interactions in the day to day? Because some people might look at that as only a sandwich. Oh yeah. But it, it's all about how you interpret the sandwich and you deliver the sandwich. Like if I just look at somebody and I'm like, Hey, I like this, but I hate this, but I like this. They're not going to take it that way. Like, but if you, for example, I used to have a prep girl who I loved and she would always prep everything. Then she would clean the lobby. But when she cleaned the lobby, she wasn't cleaning the lobby. She was great at prepping for me. And I just, you know, I told her, I was like, I love that you come in and you handle everything. You prep us for the day. We're completely good to go. But when you go out to present the lobby, which is the face of our store, you're not giving that same appearance there. And she was like, okay. I was like, but so if you just fall through and we clean the lobby, like we clean the back part of the house, we'll be great. Wow. And she was like, absolutely, Shan. Never once did I have to. Well, then it was Dana. <laughs> that was at KFC. Wow. That was before Shan. So wow. That's how okay. that that, I, I mean, that's this. Yeah. Which which is pretty interesting. Like you, so I was reading uh this book called Emotional Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And you did that perfectly because a lot of people can't read the room. They can't no. read the conversation. They can't figure out like, hey, if I say something to this person that's the wrong way, I might ruin the person. Because we also know that people don't quit jobs. No. They quit managers. Oh, absolutely. And if you have a great leader, I've been there. I know you've probably been there. They'll stay forever. Oh, and, and I love that you said a leader because there's difference when you're a manager and being a boss and being a leader. When you lead your team, you're going to get completely different results than when you act like the boss and the dictator in the room with empowerment entitlement. That's Mm -hmm. completely different. Anything in life, any relationship, you you got to follow through with life that way. I mean, you're you're probably not going to get very far, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, it transcends the military. I remember when I was a general manager, it it was hard to bridge the gap because People didn't know how to clean. And mm-hmm. so coming from humble beginnings like you and I, it's cleaning was like the pivotal part. Like if I didn't oh, clean, yeah. like my five sisters, I would hear it from them. You know what I mean? Like oh, there was just, I'm like, but you got kids dragging a broom across the floor and, and they're the next generation. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting how that, how it all works out. Oh um, yeah. But, but from what I can tell, you're very family oriented. So how do you balance being a manager and a leader and then having to leave your store and go on vacation and balancing work and family? Um, it's, it's a task. It really is. Uh, so not only do I balance that, um, I also balance it from 12 hours away. You know, mm. um, I have no one that's down here. That's immediate family to me. Okay, um, yes. I moved down here, just me and Bella. 
which is my dog. If you hear her running around, I'm sorry. But um, moving down here alone and balancing that, it was at first, it was a lot of FaceTimes and, you know, a lot of phone calls and stuff like that. The first six months was a little hard, especially whole pandemic aside, you know, like just for sure being quarantined in Atlanta by myself. But it's, it's became to where it's more natural. It was new. That was the thing. When I came down here, it was completely new. It was something I had never done before. So I had to learn what was going to be my normal for that. And it took a minute. Emotionally, I had to learn how that was normal, not to have my mom right down the block and my dad and Sunday dinners and my girlfriends coming over and having dinners at my house and drinking wine. I had to learn how to be independent. So it took, you know, it took some balancing and figuring out and more personal growth of myself. But now, like when my doctors have off, I take personal time off so that my store isn't going to suffer if I'm not there. But I also have a great team that can handle it when I'm not there. Mm, okay. I like I still currently I just last week I was in two different locations plus my own. Ooh. And went and helped out in two other locations. I still, I bounce around a lot. I help other managers when they need help or when they're short staffed and stuff like that. So that's something I've always done for All About Eyes. Um, well, I wouldn't say always. Four months after I started as an optician, I became a traveling manager. So I've always went around and helped out in other locations. But it all boils down to having that strong team that can hold the fort down when you're gone. Okay. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. I agree. Yeah, I, I, you're stronger than me. I had to, <laughs> I, I tried to assemble my team and big corporate was like, nah, we're going to throw who we want in there. And I was like, I got to walk away from this. Uh, so that was a part of my journey. I love managing. I love the people. I love watching them grow. But unfortunately, you get tied into a lot of bureaucracy where you don't have oh, a lot of stay or wiggle room. For sure. So that makes it tough. Mm -hmm. um, so doing all this you would think so so what kind of you got you got a, like a master's degree to get this job like as a general manager like how does that work what 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 degree level nope did you <laughs> far okay. from that um i when i was 17 high school and adolescence is hard in general okay. you know every whether you're a teenage boy or you're a teenage girl it is a oh, yeah, lot of growth when you become a teenager and things happen and life happens, you know? So I, I chose a little different route. I knew that I wasn't happy in my school. It wasn't that I couldn't do it or wasn't smart enough. I just gave up, which is horrible. It's like the last thing I can say, honestly, in my life that I just folded on. I gave up. I didn't care. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to go to this alternative high school. And mind you, up until high school, I was in student council. I played softball. I did volleyball for a little bit. I was in cheerleading clear up until eighth grade. It just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't my scene in okay. that sense, you know? So I went to an alternative high school. Um, in the alternative high school, I was class president again. I built a student council in our alternative high school. I did fundraisers you. and raised money for our classroom to be able to have a TV, a DVD player, worked with my team on that um, and the people in my classroom. And then 
when I graduated a year early um, with my GED, I was put on the county board as youth representative and did, you know, a little stint with that for a while, for about a year. And then I went back and was a teacher's aide at the alternative high school that I graduated from for a year, which wow. was interesting because then I had, you know, people of my own peers that I had went to high school with that came in and they're like, Dana's the teacher. I'm like, no, I just grade your paperwork and stuff like that. But <laughs> you know. but that that's that it, that's fantastic, actually, because it's like you're showing them that you can do this, too. Like, yeah. this is not it. This isn't the end of the road because I don't you probably don't know this about me. But I actually went to an alternative high school, uh, alternative really? school in I think it was eighth grade. Yeah, I got, I was bad. I, I got in a fight. I wasn't really bad, but I was playing basketball. You know, I was on the basketball team, and one day I come into the locker room, somebody said something, and then I got tired of him talking because I was I was a skinny kid back then. So it's like you know I got tired <laughs> of him talking, so I hit you him in the face. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then from there, it just spiraled out of control. And, you know, I go to this alternative school and I do really well. So, but it was like playing on easy mode because the curriculum isn't meant for people who thrive in the regular school, unfortunately. No. And even the kids that can thrive there, they're not focused on thriving. They're focusing on manipulating the system because they don't want to be there. Yep. Right. Because so that that, was, they were forced there. I was like, let me just do this so mm -hmm. I can get caught up and get to where I want to go, you know, yeah, and yeah. take this as an opportunity, not, oh, well, this is better than Juvie or another alternative or, you know, like I knew that that was my last chance. Like I had to get myself together. Wow. Like what, so what triggered that? Like, this is, did you, was there like a pivotal moment where you were like, I've got to get it together now? Was there something that there was there an experience or was there just like, like, how did, how did you go about that process? I, I guess, you know, from being from Charleston and such a small town and it not having very many opportunities, unless you fought to take them, you know, whether you were like an Eastern student coming there, trying to get a degree or something like that. But in my sense at that point in time, that was not going to be optional. So I just knew that, I wasn't going to stay in Charleston forever. Like I okay. was meant for more. I wanted to see okay. more out of my life. I wanted to go places. I wanted to see the world and all of that. And growing up, that wasn't, you know, always a financial opportunity. We went on family vacations and stuff, but my mom wasn't able to send me to Europe or do something cool or, you know, establish mm -hmm. for us to be able to have all of that. So mm -hmm. I wanted more. I always you didn't want to just, you didn't want to just Chuck Vegas, Chuck Vegas. People get sucked in. And <laughs> no. Man, like, Sorry, Charleston drink, was, but... it was a whole, no, you're good. Charleston was like a whole different beast. Like, as I soon mean, as I graduated, I was like, I need to leave. I went straight to Champagne. Yeah. Um, but so. I'm even trying to be like, I'm better, but I I wanted bigger things. Than no, it, and that's completely okay. I think even as millennials, we have to stop. We have to stop limiting ourselves to the fact of saying, like, like, the people's perception of we think we're better, they don't know us. And so that's yeah. also why I started this podcast. Cause I was like, people, 
even my one of my parents said this to me. He was like, yeah, you come across in your videos and all your podcasts as arrogant and cocky. And I was like, these people don't know what I've been through to be here. They don't know how many Christmases I spent in homeless shelters with five girls, you know, trying to find a bed to sleep in the wintertime because we didn't have anything. I wasn't thinking about presents, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very interesting how people are like, yeah, stop with yourself. Calm down. Like you got this ego. And I'm like, the only way that yeah. other people see the people that are behind us, they're rooting for us and right. we are their beacon of light going forward. But a lot of people don't understand that. So a lot of times they're like, you know, oh man, you know, I hate to call it a bad place, but like what's there? You Nothing. Know? Like and I especially to... now, even yeah. 10 years ago, uh-huh. there was yeah. way more to Charleston than there is now. Same with, same with Carbondale. And, and I you love know? it to death and it's my city, but I mean, you got to get away and, and thrive. Carbondale the only way you get back. A party city. No, you can't. Both of them were. Yeah, absolutely. Chuck Vegas and Carbondale, Halloween parties, right? Like, Polar I live right in the Carbondale, everything. Like, like that oh, just, yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. that, that's interesting. But that's good that you've, you've done that. So where being where you are now as a general manager, does the GED conversation come up? And, like, what are some of the the – misconceptions people might have about a GED? So misconceptions, yes, absolutely. Like when I was younger and applying for jobs, even, you know, just applying for fast food, it made an impact. And growing up, I kind of, a pivotal moment to me was whatever I'm doing right now is for real about to impact me 10 years from now. No matter what, that's your brand. That's who you are, what you do, what you put out in the world, what you make of yourself, the name you have for yourself, it follows you. So do you? Do I want this negative conversation about me being a high school dropout and not going to school or you know not having lots of money and all of this to really define who I am 10 years from now? Or am I going to do something to impact that and change it? So I would say more so before, before I've had my career for the last five years, it did like not even know so much as people being like, Oh, she just has her GED as it did emotionally to me, but I had to establish myself. And now if I was to put that, I have a GED on top of everything else that are qualities that I obtain with my work history and my experience and what I do and how I maintain myself, I don't even think it would be an option. But at 17, was that one of the main things I was worried about? Absolutely. At 31, Mm. do I think that that hinders my life? No. Mm. Because of who I've, you know, made myself and grown to be and my reputation, I don't feel like somebody's going to look at me and be like, oh, they might be like, really? Shannon only has a GED? Other than being like, she has a GED. I don't feel like it's going to negatively impact me in that way. Yeah. You should just keep working to that. You know, that's one thing that, I always try to tell because my little sister is 19. Mm-hmm. So she's a lot younger than me. I was 13 when she was born. We're the only two children that my parents have together. So I always try to think when I'm 24 and my little sister's 12, what do I want her to look up to? Wow. That's powerful. You know, I didn't have a I didn't have an older sibling. My dad has a son who's older than me, but he was put up for adoption. So he was never around in my life. So I didn't have that big sibling to look up to, which makes it easier sometimes, you know, being up to 13, not having a sibling, 
then I had a baby, a little sister, you know, I was like, oh gosh. But that's really what it was. I didn't want her to be like, oh, that's my sister. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I, family is like a, a super powerful like motivator. Like you see those young kids, you see them grow up and develop and become other beings. And you're like, man, I got to stop doing this thing. It, it's kind of miraculous how people can turn around. Um, and it, I don't know, that that's just very interesting. Like that, that perspective is a part of our generational story because we come from a lot of broken homes. And so it, it's weird that like people call us entitled, but at the same time, you know, like, they they lived a fairly you know different yeah. entitled life too. And in, in the same thing too, like you can come from a broken home in so many different senses. Did you come okay. from a broken home of of wealthy family, but you never got the love and attention from your mom and dad? Did you come okay. from a broken home from your parents being divorced? You know all of it. Did you come from a broken home with two parents that fought to be together just for the sake of you because they thought it was going to impact you in a better way? to have both parents there, even though they were miserable. My definition of a broken home is different than your definition of a broken home and everyone else's. It's like yeah. the normal, what's normal. My normal is different than everyone's normal. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You, you just, cause I, I thought that I've, I've had that conversation a lot because people are like, and it, it's weird because when I spend time with my daughter, people are like, keep doing that. And I was oh, like, absolutely. what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you say? Because I, I want to get to the bottom of why they say that, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to understand what they see. Because a lot of exactly. times we're just doing what, doing our best of what we can do. Mm -hmm. And I've never been the greatest father. But they were explaining that, like, even though they had their fathers there, like, I know people who have had, like, awesome fathers that were, like, uh, special forces guys and all that. You know, yeah. they like, that was their initial tune to me. Their, that was their pitch of their parents. And then they go, but he only talked to me a couple times in my life. We never yeah. talked. They're like, if it wasn't about sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's shocking. A different type of in. Having a dad and having a father can be two different things. Wow. You know? Wow. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. So like, what, what are, do you, do you, feel like there's an aura of like you being a millennial like in the workplace like people looking at you differently and thinking like you're more entitled than other people or like you didn't work hard to get there uh it's it's happened a time or two you know hmm. i've had certain situations um you know where i've been promoted or took a couple steps up a ladder or told you know a you know, somebody who I thought was a mentor, like, this is what I want to work towards next. And then either be like, well, you're too young for that, or you're not ready for that. Or, you know, you, you've got a long way to go for that. Some of those, yes, I completely respect. Or when you're working with somebody and um, you get promoted, sometimes people aren't happy for happy for you, even though you know, you've worked really hard and what you were working hard for. Sometimes it's not perceived those ways. So you've always just got to have pride in what you're doing, have faith in yourself, know that you're doing this for you, not so much as for other people, especially if it's getting you movement in the right direction. You know what I mean? Okay. Positive attention is different than negative attention. Absolutely. So you should always put your best foot forward, be yourself, 
show up every day for you. Okay. Okay. So what, other than us being the entitled, what, <laughs> what, what benefits do you feel like we have and opportunities that we have as a generation now that other people didn't? Because the problem is, is there's also a tune within the mix of, I find when I talk to people like, well, I can't do this and I don't want to do this. And then they want to jump and be like, they don't want to put it in five to yep. 10 years. They will yep. tomorrow. They want their business owner. I want to make my own money. Business. Owner. I don't, they want I don't the world know where they that comes from. Message. I don't yeah. know where that comes from. Like tomorrow, no somehow Sinbad or, or, or Will Smith go hop in that genie Aladdin costume <laughs> and sprinkle some fairy dust. Like dog, you got to go to work. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely. You gotta like, start from somewhere. You know what I mean? What you opportunities really do. you feel, do you feel that we're leaving out there? So like, and that's, there's so many different ways you can go with that answer. Like, how about the fact that somebody like you who works at FedEx on your free time, you can make just as much money in some of those positions as somebody who's went to five-year college and has all kinds of college intuition debt. Like the market in the industry of what was standard for somebody to grow and obtain and take care of themselves is completely different. Like 100% different game. You can do so many things without a degree and make just as much money as somebody in a corporate position who's still struggling to get that CEO position and move up that ladder because they didn't want to look at things from a different site. You can do, the whole world is changing down to the generation under us who is their brand ambassadors, their TikTok famous. They're, you know, they're famous for having a YouTube channel, opening presents. Like that was not in the ball game for us. <laughs> you know, like we, we grew up in a different time. Like we grew up with going to school and them not teaching us how to file our taxes, how to invest, how to do things that are financially going to secure us or telling us like, don't get a credit card. Don't put yourself in debt. What? You need all of that. You have to establish all of that in life or what are you going to do? If nobody has, you know, there's no credentials and standpoint behind who you are, what are you going to get? Nothing. Yeah. Well, and, and that's facts, but I, I also agree that there's a, there's a portion of it where there is another side, but it's, it's twice as hard. But it's also it'll it'll burn longer in the flame when it comes to yeah. debt and all that stuff, because the problem is, is you're not taught how to manage it. And those exactly. who manage it well, they do well. But the problem exactly. is, is you get you can't max out who, a credit card and never pay it and then get another one and think that <laughs> and you use know? Next, that one to pay the next one to pay. The <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Like, And but that's all stuff that we weren't really taught in high school. Maybe other high schools across the country taught people that, but I don't feel like in Illinois, they were sitting down telling me like, this is how you're going to file your taxes when you turn 18. Like, Well, and most of us wouldn't listen anyway, because the curriculum is all over the place. So, all over the place. Uh, so it sounds like you're really, <laughs> it's funny, you mentioned TikTok famous. How do you, uh, okay, where do you see that going? Like, because the problem is while I was deployed, I had troops who they... <laughs> It was, I got 2,000 views and likes, and I'm like, right, it's different. And, and I, like, I was seeing a video, and I'm like, oh, you just told them how you tie your boots, and they found that interesting. 
Like, have we been working the wrong ways? Like, am I working really hard when all I have to do is send a video? You know, like, but it's crazy. But it's yeah. real. It's happening. Like, they but are. I don't, like, I don't believe, like, because I study trends and I don't necessarily think, think it's going to last ends forever. Well. Because well, something yeah. that burns really, really hot in the beginning burns short. But like something, a flame that builds up. You know, we like, thought, hey, we was doing it with the SpongeBob <laughs> background. <laughs> Put your own song on there; it's fine. You know what I'm saying? You like you can customize you everything. Can your top ten friends, like you're my number one friend. Look at us dating ourselves. Like everybody, like the younger generation. MySpace. What is that? I barely have a Facebook. You know, right. <laughs> that's kind that of funny. True. It's so true. Um, what? So, what advice for like somebody who wanted to be? A general man, okay, we talked about that instant. They want to be the manager tomorrow. What advice would you have to someone like that? Are they established by any means, or are they just thinking that they should get it tomorrow? <laughs> are, are, those two, are those two separate things? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just true, true that. Um, I guess if you really like in some positive affirmations and good light, if you want something you can obtain it no matter what it is. You just got to decide how you're going to get it, what work you're going to put in, what you need to do to put in to get you farther. And it's communication. If there's that option in your company to grow, why wouldn't you talk to a mentor, um, another peer, see how, like, how did you get to where you are? What did you do? Because you never know. What if the girl that was working next to me, she just had a GED too. And she's a regional. She's running around having 22 stores and we come from the same place, but I didn't have enough faith in myself to ask questions. Mm. You gotta, you gotta ask questions. You gotta figure out what it is. If you want it, you can't just be like, Oh, I want that and think it's going to happen. I mean, that's not how it worked for me anyway. <laughs> like, it's not, to me, it sounds like, it sounds like you saying you got to have a plan. I mean, a plan, like a plan. I've and then you gotta got to actually do the work. You gotta also yep. show up at the job, huh? Like yep. you gotta like you can't just get the stimulus check and the taxes back and take a week off because you sick for a week. Oh, but can I get a stimulus? You, you know what I'm saying? Let me you get know. that stimulus. I, I don't even think I'm gonna get one. I got the first one, but the next two was I don't think I'm gonna get it. It's gonna be tax credits, so whatever. Like yeah, like but after a while they just forget dog? about us. <laughs> Dogs got to eat too, you feel me? Dogs right. are expensive. Or what about the credit <laughs> for, you know, being a hard worker, taking care of yourself? Ain't no hard work credits. There aren't any hard work credits. There's not. But you better work hard if you want something. <laughs> well, and, and, and I found that the path, and you may let me know if you agree or disagree here, the path is kind of servant leadership without looking at what could be and looking in the moment of what I can do now. Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. you might you might get to a point where you don't even really want to be the general manager, you know? Like even though I stepped down as a general manager, it taught me skills in business and communication skills and empathy oh, and 100%. emotional intelligence. Because I went in, I was I was a young military guy, you know, doing mm -hmm. that. 
So you know, I'm like, yeah, get your sandwich, and you gonna put the mail on the bread. You are gonna do it like this, you know? Be, sir, this is it, Jimmy. It got, this is sub so fast. You freak. Come on. It got the results, but in the process, you lose a lot of people because they don't care how much you know and how hard you train and right. your background. Like they might right. respect it, but you just, you know. They respect you, but are they gonna follow you? No, that's facts. Like, and and I call that the Jordan mentality. Because mm -hmm. in the 80s, Jordan was the best. He was dominating. Yep. He was killing. He was murdering people on the court. But that wasn't winning any rings. No. Like, you you got to get the team. You got to oh, yeah. get them involved. Like, one person is an island. You get multiple people, that's a city. That's a lot right? of work. It you is. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of work when you're on a one-man island. Yeah, and you drive yourself crazy. Like I'm learning every day. Like even you to this can day. Run the island, but are you gonna run the whole island or are you gonna run the island? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, you can keep running in circles. Right. And then you're over here and you're over here and you're over here and you don't know which way you're going. And you're like, man, I forgot to do that over here because I was still over here. And it's just no, that's that's not how life works. You're not you're gonna exhaust yourself. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like you have been guilty of being a micromanager before because that's what that sounds like to me because I've been there. Um, yeah. And micromanaging is one of those things where you're like, ugh, don't say that. But you can be a micromanager in so many different ways. Like you can you, you can be a negative like micromanager to where you're micromanaging each person as an individual mm -hmm. or you can still be doing it on the manager backside but not giving your team enough trust and having enough faith to delegate. And here, will you handle this? Can you do this and you do this and you do this? And then I'm still going to do these five things, but I trust you enough to be able to complete these tasks and you're helping them grow at the same time. Look at that. You're winning. Like, so, so my question is, is how does something, how does giving somebody who doesn't have a lot of um, put, say in big decisions, how does giving them an opportunity change their momentum? How does that, how does that move them forward? Because if they grow, then I grow. Oh, if my team okay. grows and Hit they learn new things, you know what I mean? Okay. Then that's what allows me to be able to not be in the store a couple of days a week. Wow. You know what I mean? Like if they grow, then they're holding down the fort and I trust them enough that in instances, there's been times where I'm like, okay, they'll still call me, which I love that they call me. They want my opinion. But I'm like, what would I do in that situation? If I wasn't there, or you couldn't get me to answer the phone, what would you do if I wasn't here? Would you treat them mm. the way you want to treat them? Or how do you think I would treat them? And then I'm usually like, okay, see, you could have handled that, but I appreciate you calling. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. you're giving them, if it puts trust and faith in them and then they start to have more confidence in what they're doing and then they grow. And then look, they just got a promotion the two people above them just got a promotion because they took their jobs over. And then, oh, look, I can go somewhere else now because everyone underneath me is cross-trained. They can all help each other out. <laughs> like That's huge. That's huge. You know? Like, well, and, and then they start saying, oh, I was trained by this person to do that thing. You know, it's like you don't realize as a manager, like how many, like, Every time that you talk or interact with somebody, how that joy and that information spreads and throughout the chain. Them. Right. Yeah. It impacts people. And the thing of it is, too, is I've had other people where I'm trying to teach them something and they've been like, 
well, what if I did it like this? And I'm like, huh, okay, that actually would take a few minutes off of what I was doing. So let's combine what we're both doing. And we both just learned something. Double That's weight. deep. That's deep. You know, like, because that's one thing that I started doing when I deployed to Kuwait because I took on a platoon from a company that I wasn't organically a part of. And once I started giving them ownership and started listening, our plans got better. Our days got better. Oh, yeah. and even when they didn't want to, when they didn't want to do the mission, you know, or they didn't want to do things, you utilize tactical empathy and you say, Hey, you identify the negative first. And then once you identify the negative, it takes that. Okay. They feel where I'm coming from. Cause as, right. a, as leaders, it's easy to be like, well, we just got to go. And you're like, you know, the truth is they don't care. Oh yeah. No. With, about your feelings. Cause you make more money than they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you, <laughs> you out of the boat. It's and like, most, when you're a leader, you can be seen as intimidating or yeah. fearful. And especially like us, how you, how you treat yourself, you know, portray yourself as a leader too. Like, uh-huh. would, and see, I've never been that type where I want, like, anytime I go into a location and help, I don't want to walk in the door and somebody be like, oh, my God, Shan's here. Like, I've heard about her, but I've never met her. I want somebody to be like, oh, my God, Shan's coming to work with us today. I can't wait for her to come in here. You know, like, I've heard this, 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 and this. That, to me, goes a long way okay. compared to somebody being scared when I walk into a that, room. That's an interesting style because lately what I've tried to do is, and so when I go into work, when I go into the warehouse, I don't say nothing. I'm quiet. Like people think I'm mean for real. And so <laughs> I wait for the opportunity for somebody to need help. And then I go help them. Absolutely. And then I go ask them about them. They're like, oh my goodness, all the things that they said about this guy are the truth. And I'm like, right. no, it's not. Cause you didn't get it from me. Yeah. Like I'm all and, about you. And you're paying attention. So to what's and going I'm not on. a manager. I've yeah. just been there for a long time. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just glad I am grateful when I started being grateful for just being able to be at work. That's yes. when things changed for me. Yes. Because I'm like, what would a grateful person be? And what would they do? Exactly. How would they act? Would they, would they like say, uh, I've done all my stops. This wasn't supposed to be on my route and deliver and, and take it back. To the warehouse, or would or they deliver? Take that extra mile and go and deliver that package. So exactly. That and if it was your package, Thank how would you. you want that? Like exactly. once I started waking up, I'm like, if it was your sandwich, how would you want that put together? Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Like so, I mean, I sell glasses, so I help people see. So, like, even getting in a job, I'm like, way oh, more important than sandwiches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I might I have to hit you up. My eyes get a little. <laughs> I always feel that way. I'm like, if this was me and I was to walk in somewhere, because sometimes I can take, you know, a lot of money in those situations from people. And people are like, they're just glasses. And I'm like, no, it's like buying a car. If you invest in your glasses, you're investing in your health and your vision. And there, we have these options because for a reason. And then here's the reason why. This is why you're going to benefit from it. You know, if I... You have to put out there what type of situation you want to come back, no matter what it is. Yeah. Well, and it sounds to me like you're really passionate about the health side. What does that look like? Because I don't I've never heard anybody really put it quite like that. Like we're talking about your health here. 
with glasses, oh, yeah. even though it's important. Go ahead and speak on that for me. There's so, okay. Everyone generally people look when they come into an eye doctor's office, they see it more as retail. Mm, okay. But it's not like if you have just a retail office that's selling glasses, like sunglass hut, something like that, you know, something that's not a medical based office, you don't really see the backside of things, but your eyes can tell you so much about your health. Um, in more ways than you can imagine. We can take a picture of the back of your eye, 200 degree backside of your angle of your eye, see if you have glaucoma, if you have eye bleeds, if you have all, like, all kinds of stuff. And wow. yeah, like you, it, all of that, like you can see anything. Like it's surprising. It's like your feet, you know, like everyone always tells you, you know, like your feet, they're your feet. You don't want, you can't get new feet. Well, you can't get new eyes, so you have to take care of them too, and they will yeah. also tell a lot about your body and your health. Well, technically, <laughs> technically, you can get some new feet, I mean, but you, you can't can get, get new eyes. Your feet. eyes ain't gonna work. Like, you get some prosthetic get feet. feet back. You can get prosthetic <laughs> feet, but you're not gonna get your own feet back. You know. You know what I'm saying? Eyes are more important to me. Both. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, like I would rather like, take care of my eyes. Absolutely, that's kind of what I feel that I'm in. <laughs> I Things work in mysterious ways. Yeah, uh, and it's knowledge, and it's a fast-growing business. Like optics changes all the time. Technology changes all the time. Advancements change all the time. Medical studies advance. It's a growing business. Like that was one of the things they told me when I was hired, is how I felt about change. Mm -hmm. And to me, I like change. I used to be really resentful against change, but change means growth. It's wow. positivity. If how'd you don't, you, have, go, go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to ask, how did you, how did you start looking at change as growth? Because that takes a lot. Like that's not easy. No, no, it's really not. And there, so when I went to an alternative high school, my alternative high school teacher, her name was Amber Belevins. Shout out, AB. She's one of the best ladies I've ever met in my life. Love her to death. <laughs> Um, she always would tell us, you know, like, listen, if you guys always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten. Is that how you want to live your life? Where are you going to be tomorrow? What's going to happen? Are you going to do this today to reap the benefits tomorrow? How are you going to live your life? So that quote, just like, it's something that always sticks with me. You know, I've always told myself if I just stay here and I'm comfortable and I keep doing what feels good, then I'm never going to grow. But it does. It takes time to realize, you know, like positive change and negative change are two different things. If you accept the change and you keep doing positive things for your life, you don't see much of the negative change. And if you do, you're like, whoa, not doing that again. Don't want that to happen. You know, like <laughs> I would rather not experience that one more time. Let's try this a different way. <laughs> so, so on the topic of growth, we're getting you know towards the end here. What what kind of growth do we expect to see out of Shandana in the future? In the next ten years, where are you going to be? What where where, where do you want to? In the next ten years, um, I I don't see myself leaving the company that I'm with. I I just don't. So I would like to see myself with them um, in a position where I'm really helping um, everyone in the Atlanta area. Um, I come from, our, our company was real small. 
And now we're real big and we're nationwide and we have 176 locations and everyone's growing and we're becoming a bigger, bigger family. So I would like to be able to say that I have a role in our company to go and help everyone establish themselves, make them li their lives a little bit easier and just be happy, you know, and content and growing still, even though God in 10 years, is that really 41? That's so crazy to think, but I would like to be established even more so than I already am, but retirement will be in 20 years, you know, like I would like to say okay. that and it's paid off and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> exactly. You know? So being who you are now, what advice would you give to a high school you? To not give up. Okay. Not fold. Never fold. Even if it's not going to work out in the way you want. There's always ways. Don't fold. Stay, mm. stay hard. Stay true to yourself. And always remember to put myself first. And just continue to do what you need to do. Don't just think that life's going to happen because it will happen. And then it's it's gone before you know it. You know, like I'm not 17 years old anymore. I'm 31. And at 17, would I think that I would be right here right now at 31? I, I knew I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I can say I'm happy, you know, like it's paid off. I've done it despite no matter what anyone thought of me, what they said I was going to amount to be where they thought that I was never going to leave Charleston. You're not going to amount to anything. You, you know, I proved them wrong and proved myself that I could do it. So just keep trying. If it's not working, try it a different way. Get what you want. No one's going to give it to you. You got to work for it. <laughs> like, no, that's beautiful. Well, you know what? It's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I know it was a little, you know, everybody's like, oh, what, what are you going to talk about? What's what's your podcast about? I'm like, it's about you. So I appreciate right. you being emphatically you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was an interview on proactive pragmatism. Millennials are with Shan Dana Hayes. Thank you. You're welcome.